Bobby and I were both born and raised in Texas. We've been together for 23 years and married for 17. We have two beautiful boys, Austin, who's 13, and Wyatt, who's 8. No, he just turned 9. We've been going to Watermark for about 10 years now. And is there a picture? Oh, that's... That was the uh, day we thought the, um, all the perfection was happening, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, as for my background and family, I wasn't raised on any kind of organized religion. My parents were divorced when I was 18 months old because my father was gay. Um, I usually don't mention that up front because uh, people tune out for a minute uh, when they hear that. Um, this played out badly for me because the rest of the family was deathly afraid that I would turn out to be gay too. So even as a very young age, uh, I was encouraged to notice women, to look at cheerleaders, and so on. Um, this was like throwing gasoline on a fire. I was already uh, very attracted to women. Um, I started a lifelong addiction to pornography starting at, uh, at the age of eight with Playboy um, uh, when a relative was encouraging me to look at that thinking she was helping me. Uh, I grew up with a series of stepfathers, and until I was 12 uh, and my mom's fourth husband uh, seemed to stick. They were married for 20-plus years, and he was the first stable father figure I ever had. And he taught me about being a man, not so much about what he said, but I watched what he did. Uh, He was a good moral man, became a Freemason, and uh, passed away a few years ago. Just about the time I hit puberty, I was trying to leave anything uh, about God and the Bible behind. I asked questions of the Christians I knew, but no one knew... No one I knew uh, could give me what I thought were intellectually honest answers uh, about the hard questions, like, uh, how do we know the Bible is God's word? How do I know Jesus is who he says he is, and why does God let bad things happen? 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. I spent most of my adult life far from God actively running away from him. If you count abortion as murder, then I've broken all ten of the commandments. I don't know how to give you more details about my past hedonism without it sounding like bragging. So trust me when I tell you, I was lost and completely bought into the world's lies, living in the darkness. I mocked everything Christians stood for, and I did it with great delight. Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. And I grew up in a volatile household. My father was physically abusive to my mother, and when I was 15, my mother took um, my two brothers and I to a women's shelter where we lived there for three weeks in hiding. My mother believed in the Lord and always spoke of him, but I didn't understand how God could do this to us. My mother then remarried a man who also had three children, and together they had one more. So all nine of us lived together in one tiny house, and because of the divorce and the remarriage, I had to start over again at a new high school. And in hindsight, God was looking after me. A sweet girl I met introduced me to others she knew and befriended me. They all invited me to go to church with them, and I loved it. So at church camp that summer, before my senior year, I gave myself over to the Lord, and I was baptized. I had head knowledge of what that meant, and I thought if I was good and helped people, then all was fine. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no man can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. But after high school, I stopped running with these friends I had made at church. I went completely wild. I began drinking, experimenting with drugs, and because of my promiscuity and other poor choices, I became pregnant. I was scared, and out of fear and selfishness, I made a very conscious decision to abort that child. I pursued a career as a technology geek, uh, bought the latest gadgets, pursued anything that interested me, and followed my own selfish nature. Uh, even got married and then divorced within a year, chased women, and let sex dictate my life. All the while, something was missing. I would move from one philosophy or ism to another, trying to find what was missing. I read books on psychology and comparative religion and philosophy for pleasure. At first being excited, thinking I had found a real answer at last, only to discover that when I chased these ideas to their logical conclusion, they were just another dead-end lame excuse for the truth. Slowly I began to live a life closer to the straight and narrow, but never consciously trying to please or know God, just dropping the most destructive behaviors that I had survived long enough to realize didn't work. So I met Bobby in 1995, and we were pretty much inseparable. After only a few months of dating, we moved in together. I didn't see anything wrong with it at the time. All of my friends were living with their boyfriends. Bobby and I got married in the fall of 2001, and after a couple of years of marriage, we started trying to have a child. One afternoon, Bobby had to rush me to the hospital because I was having severe abdominal cramps. I didn't know I was pregnant at the time until we got to the emergency room where I learned I was having a miscarriage. We were devastated. It was our first pregnancy, and we had lost the baby. Several months later, I found out I was pregnant again. We were very excited about this child. During a doctor's appointment, it turned out that I had an ectopic pregnancy with internal bleeding. It was life-threatening, and I was immediately rushed into emergency surgery. I remembered after the surgery looking at a friend who was visiting me and asking them if this was God's way of punishing me for having the abortion. About a year after this, I got pregnant again, but fear dominated most of that pregnancy. Um, but our little blessing was born happy and healthy. We named him Austin. But after the birth of our son, Bobby and I slowly drifted apart. Feeling like I had to control everything, make all of the decisions, feeling very alone, feeling very disconnected. And I remember sitting on the couch one evening after our son had gone to bed, and I looked at Bobby and I was telling him about how lonely I felt, even though we were in the same room. I met my wife, Shari, and I, finally, I was finally ready to get married again after much patience on Shari's part. Um, I was madly in love with her, and with the birth of my son, after several misadventures, I began to wonder if I was really capable of being a good father, not to mention a good husband or even a good man. The miscarriages and ectopic pregnancy put, me into a, put a deep fear into me and made me realize how little control I really had. I had almost lost Shari, and the prospect made me fearful, overprotective, and timid. Everything I learned from various self-help and uh, personal growth efforts over the years had taken me about as far as they could. My marriage was dying, and I couldn't figure out how to stop it. Divorce was the most likely outcome, and I was in despair. Paralyzed with fear, a classic case of failure to lead and passivity. My addiction to pornography was taking its toll as well. I was letting a computer fantasy world steal time, energy, and affections from my wife. And this only added to the downward spiral. So at this time in our marriage, you could say Bobby and I were more like roommates. The distance that had grown between us was pretty deep. 
I would spend most of my evenings in the bedroom watching TV while he spent the evening in the living room doing the same or on his computer. I was sad, depressed, and lonely. I started contemplating divorce and what that might look like. I started picturing my son and myself living without Bobby. The world made it sound so easy and okay that the grass was greener and that I could be happier if I just ended this marriage and moved on. But Satan was working in my heart. He would have enjoyed seeing my son grow up without his father around. My first visit to Watermark was in January of 2008, and I'd come with a friend who invited me several times. She had a son the same age as ours, so it made it easier to come, and I was thinking it would be good for my son. The message that uh, Todd was giving that uh, Sunday was about marriage, and specifically about being undivorced. I remember saying that, I remember him saying that if you were still married, but not following the Lord's definition of marriage, then you were living undivorced. I never heard that. Um, And it felt like he was talking to me, and that somehow he knew I was walking in that morning and created this sermon just for me, when in reality, it was Jesus who knew I'd be walking in those doors on that very day, and through the Holy Spirit, he spoke to me. I remembered going home that day and telling Bobby about the sermon. And I told him I was going to go the next week and that he could come if he wanted to. He didn't come again that next week, but the sermon was a series about marriage. And I remember praying that day that Bobby would come with me. And then the next week he did. I was not excited about going to church. But I went hoping for a little solace in a a few new social contacts. I didn't have any men that I could talk to about anything except technology. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't sure the sh- church building wouldn't cave in when I walked in. Todd was in the middle of the first reengage series, and it seemed like he was talking to just me. I came for six straight weeks, and they were all about me. And after ten plus years, a couple have not been about me. Uh, what I found were a people who had a love and authenticity and an energy that I had never seen in church before. They spoke of God's unfailing, unchangeable love for us all, even for me. A love so deep he would give his only son to pay the price for my wickedness. I heard that I was forgiven and saved by grace. It took a while for me to come around to the conclusion that this might be what I had been looking for. Not knowing anything better to do, I just prayed my first feeble little prayer. God, I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but if you're there, please come into my heart and let me find out. Romans 8.26 In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. At first, I didn't tell people that I went to church here, not because of what they might think of me, but what they might think of the church. If they let that guy in, they must take in anybody, and that's actually the truth. But I felt the need to protect my new friends from my past, but they didn't need it. They already had a protector and a redeemer already. I began reading the Bible and found things that I had never heard before. I began to cultivate a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I spoke with committed Christ followers who spoke with an authenticity and I never knew from Christians before. My idea of what being a real Christian, a Christ follower, was forever changed. No one was afraid of my even toughest questions. I began to pray regularly and found a peace that I had not had before. I began to see improvements in my marriage and my other relationships. I still go off in the weeds sometimes, but I know the way back. I still struggle with the lies of this world at times, but I have a hope I didn't have before. What I was missing was there all along. I just never saw God's love and grace for what it was. 
unchangeable, unbreakable, unfathomable. Somewhere along the way, my interest in pornography also diminished. I finally uh, threw away my last stash of DVDs one day after reading scripture, um, James 1, 19 through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, rid yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. After I jumped in with both feet, my wife began to come around a little at a time. We joined a community group. Uh, I started to equip disciple because I didn't even know what I didn't know. What's quiet time and do I need earplugs? We decided to give this new marriage class called Reengage uh, a shot. 26 weeks. Back then it was 26 weeks. You guys are lucky. Uh, so two other couples from our community group did reengage with us. And I remember Bobby wanting to sign up for that first re-engage class that Watermark offered, and I just wasn't ready, y'all. My heart was very hard, and at times I felt that it wouldn't soften towards him. I'm obviously glad we ended up doing it and focusing on our marriage, um, because focusing on our marriage and focusing on Christ is truly the only way out of the deep funk that our marriage had gotten into. I'm so very thankful today for what God, for excuse me, for what the Lord has blessed me and my sweet family with. We have some dear, sweet friends who pour into us and love us and guide us. I no longer feel like I'm being punished for my abortion, but I'm loved and forgiven, and I am the daughter of a king, and I have peace and joy in the blessings that God has given me. I think about how our sweet little family has grown and how awesome our two boys are. And I rejoice in this relationship I have with my husband now and the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. Bobby is my very best friend. There's no place I'd rather be. He's my rock. And you turn the page. (laughs) He's my rock and I'm thrilled to follow his lead. I should know that bar. We've only done this 27 times. So there's a, I think there's another picture. Oh, is there a picture? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there it is. Oh, yes. So I have to explain this picture. (laughs) So there was a time in our life, obviously there's a very dark period in our life where we wouldn't have this much fun, but I would now characterize our marriage and our family life as fun. And so we really enjoy each other and we enjoy spending time together. So this is just a small example of kind of where we've come. And, and she likes it when I wear that costume. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to read that. <laughs> it doesn't say that here. So. Uh, we still have conflicts and even argue sometimes, but the difference is we are committed to Christ first and then to each other. Shari and I serve now as small group facilitators and re-engage, not because we have a perfect marriage, because we don't, but because we know the pain a dysfunctional marriage can bring and feel drawn to do something about it. The fear and sadness can be crippling. If that's where you are now and wondering if this is for you, yes, it is. There is no better place that I'm aware of, and there is no better time than right now to get started. And if you have something scary you need to share with your spouse or small group, do it tonight. Dig deep and get after it. God is bigger than anything you might be facing. Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Thank you for letting us share our story with you tonight. Thank you.